This is a HeadGum Podcast. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. All right, Cheryl, I think yeah. uh, I think we're once again very excited about this very. episode. Very. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. There's yeah. a lot of nudity. Yes, a lot of there's a lot hair. of nudity in this episode. So if you are not, <laughs> <laughs> if you're not of age, yes, no, you maybe. should not listen to it if you're not of age because it's uh, it's mature <laughs> thoughts and uh, concepts. Yeah. So listen, subscribe, give us a good rating and review, and share with your friends. Mm-hmm. And thanks for listening. But yeah, let's. Um, This is so far our longest episode, so we have a lot to get into. It all started when Tig and Cheryl met in the mid-2000s. Hey, nice to meet you, Tig. I'm Cheryl Hines. Hi, Cheryl. I'm Tig Notaro. Should we do a podcast about documentaries? Yes. A podcast about documentaries? Is this microphone on? Five furious frogs fiddling faintly. Furious frogs fiddling faintly. Five furious frogs faintly. I am the first ever podcast. And Tig and Cheryl are following in the sound of my footsteps. Let's get started. I'm so ready. Tig and Cheryl. True story. Welcome to Tig and Cheryl True Story. Cheryl, welcome back to our show. (laughs) Thank you. That was so weird for you to welcome me back to our show, but I appreciate it. Uh, Today, we are uh, talking about Marina Abrova. Boy, you're really getting into it oh, right thought, away. Oh, like, did you no, want to do... I, I don't know. It just it's like hello, welcome to the show. I just Well what are you, do, what are you I don't know. Hear... Do you not care how I've been? Uh, not since really. last week. We only have a limited time. Okay. All right. My Nobody... apologies. Get back into describing I'll look at your uh social media if I'm concerned about your private life. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Where were you? Uh I was saying today we're talking about the documentary Marina Abro no Abramovich Abramovich. Listen, today we're talking. I was suggesting we ease in, and you just seem to be like, "No, we need to get in immediately." And mm-hmm. you're having well, trouble to, talking, frankly. I wanted to get the pronunciation of her name out of the way. I'll be honest with you. Well, give I- it a tr- give it another whirl. Okay, today we're talking about the documentary Marina Abramovich. Abramovich. Marina Abramovich. Are we going to spend the whole episode? (laughs) Abramovich. The artist is present. That's the whole Uh title. Yeah. Uh, It's a 
2012 documentary directed by Matthew Akers and Jeff Dupree that follows the self-described grandmother of performance art, Marina Abramovich, as she prepares for a career retrospective at the New York City Museum of Modern Art. Included in the retrospective is a new three-month-long performance piece that is perhaps Marina's most ambitious work to date. Whew. Yeah, so, yeah. I just wanted to get that out of the way because this whole documentary is about performance art. That's right. And this and this woman, let's just call her Marina. Yeah, let's. It's too much. You know what? Even just M. <laughs> I was wondering what your feelings about uh, performance art, what your feelings were before you saw this documentary. Well, I think performance art. Mm-hmm as a whole and what mm-hmm. i've experienced can be pretty hit or miss yes and uh yes and then it it's also interesting because i feel like there have been moments in my stand up where people have accused me of and i don't know if the word is correct to say accuse yeah but um it sounds very negative <laughs> yeah they're accusing me of performance <laughs> art <laughs> Oh, that's uh, interesting. Oh, yeah. well, that's interesting. Yeah. Why is you know, that interesting? Well, because I think before I watched this documentary, I felt like performance art seemed um, self-indulgent mm-hmm. to the artist. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't a big fan of it. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it was hit or miss and honestly the the performance art that i had seen in life has has been hit uh mits, misses <laughs> well performance... and maybe that's why i use the word accuse well, they've accused me of performance art n- no but then when you watch this documentary uh-huh. there were moments in it that i thought were really profound mm-hmm. uh, where the artist is connecting with the audience in a way that I've never experienced but even watching the documentary I was I realized oh I see I see what that how powerful that is for people mm-hmm. to connect yeah I I uh I have to say that I don't know if this speaks to my inability to focus very well um or if um I don't know what it speaks to, but I would say that if I stumbled upon this documentary on my own, I would not have made it past the first five minutes. Same. Because I, I, the first five minutes, I was just, I wanted out immediately. Yeah. I just didn't care. Well, right. Um, but, boy, did that change. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I really... Um, I really, really got into this. You did. I did. Did you not? Well, I did like a (laughs) loop-de-loo. Well, (laughs) what's new? I mean, I started out... When I I, picture you at home, that's the only thing I picture you doing is loop-de-loos. And then you head out in the world, loop-de-loos. I mean, the first few images of this documentary are naked people on a subway mm-hmm. with a fully clothed marina i mm-hmm. guess the artist had 
clothes on, but I didn't even know who she was at the time. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure what I was watching, what was right. coming, of course. You right, know. which I found intriguing. Uh-huh. And I was like, wow, I don't really see that many naked people just... I don't see that many naked people. Well, you're loopy lewing. <laughs> just... <laughs> so I started high because I was like, wow, okay, how did they all get there? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I felt like... You know, there was a lull, and then it went back up. That was my loop-de-loo. Okay. But, so, this whole documentary was about this woman, Marina, who has, she's in her 60s now, and she Which was a bit surprising. She looks great. She looks amazing. Yeah. Every inch of her and all of her pubes, we can say pubes. She has a lot of pubes. We don't have a boss. We don't have... (laughs) It's you, you and I have a friendship that caused this podcast, <laughs> and I don't know who is going to <laughs> give us notes, <laughs> who's going to take away, oh, you guys can't do that. Somebody's going to call us angry yeah. and just be like, "What?" Cheryl said pubes. <laughs> I'm shutting it down. Yeah. There I were mean, a I... lot of pubes in this documentary. Cheryl, I wasn't, watch your mouth. I just wasn't, uh, it was jarring. And by you weren't the way, ready. Uh-huh. I wasn't ready. And one of the things that I have seen in real life was, mm-hmm. even though it was a play, it was in West Hollywood, it was in a small theater. And at the end of the play, one of the actors gets completely naked and then does a monologue very close to the audience. Like, he didn't need to get that close, but he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it stuck with me, mm-hmm. that visual and that feeling of, I don't ever need to, I don't want to be this close to a naked person who's giving a monologue. And maybe I, you know, maybe I'm not mature enough or, or whatever. <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, uh yeah, there was Vaseline involved. It was just so strange. It was the monologue much. where you went, or in this movie there was Vaseline. No, uh, no, in the monologue of the guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I think we should talk about the movie. Yeah, let's get back to the movie. But I'm just I saying, think, I'm just saying. I think you're for, scarred oh, by this yes, naked man. Yes, I was man scarred. I was and scarred. The Vaseline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I saw the naked people, I was like, oh no, okay, brace, uh-huh. brace, brace, brace. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so why don't we? Oh, we have a clip of of Marina, mm-hmm. sort of describing who she is, and uh, which is very interesting when she described her. This is about her childhood. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's she. Yeah, mm-hmm. about her childhood a little bit. So basically, you're looking into many marinas. You look in the marina who is product of the two partisan parents, two national heroes, no limits, willpower, any aim she put in the front of her. And then right next to this one, you have the other one who is like a little girl who, you know, mother never give her enough love and very vulnerable and unbelievably disappointed and sad. And then is another one who have this kind of spiritual wisdom and can go above all that. And this is uh, actually my favorite one. 
she's very intense, clearly. And it's it's interesting at one point when she talks about how for years she was just viewed as insane. And then yeah. and then once she got some recognition, she's essentially brilliant. Right. And I it made me think about how many people must be just misunderstood and um and don't make their way to the point that she did. I mean, she's clearly changed people's lives and she's brought so much out in herself and others and and she could have right. just <laughs> Right. She could have died without ever having that realization or having sort of a, a what do you call it? When people appreciate you and understand you. I would sure just there's... say there's that. Just they appreciate and understand you. Okay. Yeah. Um now this whole documentary was really leading up to Marina's um, installation at the New York uh, Museum of Modern Art. Mm-hmm. So she did this art installation that was called The Artist is Present. It's a and great she, title. It was a great title. Yeah, I love and it. She, and she was, uh, she sat in a chair mm-hmm. in the museum mm-hmm. with a another chair across from her and from, what was it, like 10 10 in the morning till or 11 or whatever till seven at night people would line up and stand around and just watch her as person by person would come and sit in the other chair and they would just stare at each other Mm -hmm. she would be completely still and she did this for three months. For three months, every day. And she didn't leave the chair. She didn't leave the chair. That she also even was... cut a little toilet hole in her chair. Just which... in case. What And what is the just in case? Because well, I was trying you to for sure think... have to go. Well, not necessarily. I mean, there, ha- there has to be like, oh, remember when... Uh... I have not ever had a day where I didn't have to go to the bathroom. And how... What do you mean... Not necessarily would she have to go to the bathroom for three months. Well, I'm not saying for three months, but I'm saying from 10 to 7. Remember when uh, Michelle Pfeiffer did Catwoman? They had to sew her into that suit. And I spoke to uh, one of the wardrobe um, designers on that movie, Uh on Batman. And uh, she said, you know, and I don't mean to speak for Michelle. I don't know her, but um, and and I'm sure but, she's listening. <laughs> but it was uh, very stressful when she had to use the bathroom because they they had to rip the seams and undo it. Everybody had to stop down, and so Michelle, once again, I'm speaking out of turn, but uh, she didn't wa- she she didn't want to drink much. Um, because she didn't want to stop down the production. That is so unhealthy, though. I'm just saying, listen, I'm saying, I know, I'm sure there are people who have figured out ways to not have to use the bathroom for eight hours. Great. And, and, (laughs) and, but Marina had a bottle of water next to her feet. She did. And like you were saying, she was sitting on a wooden chair and Somehow, also when she's just sitting there face to face, was she just urinating while she's well, staring that's what at I couldn't someone? Understand. And I, 
I was looking to see if, like, when she sat on the chair, did she lift up her dress to, like, Well, I think she over? had a flap, a little flap on her dress. You do? I swear. I think you I saw what? one of those teddy bear bottoms or, like, but little how... um, baby pajamas where you unsnap the bottom and the flap comes down and then uh, her 63-year-old like bottom johns? comes out. Yeah, like long johns. Like, uh, uh, like Mor- Mormon long johns? I don't know the religious affiliation, but just I mean, you unsnap the bottom and then like, does her 63 year old bottom come out and just start going? This is and what I also, was... yeah. here's the other thing. Mm-hmm. The, the toilet incision, I wondered if we were going to spend time on this toilet. I part know it's and, hard not to. Right. But the toilet incision starts big at the back. And then goes narrow in the front, which means that they've mm. made way for a Poop. a BM. Mm. Mm. Well, just in case, I guess. Right. But is she really going to sit there at MoMA, face to face with somebody, silently, and just poop into oh, her chair? Oh, I think she would. Oh, Have you're you, right. Did you see yes, this documentary? I, see the docu- I mean, yes. my God. She will. You know what? That's probably how she poops is she probably she just only makes does eye it in contact front of people yeah <laughs> she... i mean one of her performance <laughs> performance art installations was her standing naked and then uh using a knife and uh cutting a a five point star above her bush. belly oh, oh. Yeah. And uh, I would have just said on her stomach, but you. Well, her bush is so hard to ignore that it's it feels like it must be significant because it although I'm also glad that it was so bushy because I don't need to see. Sometimes if it's not, you see too much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Now, do you think that when HBO documentaries put this film out, they hoped that the majority of the conversation would be around <laughs> pubic hair and bowel movements. I mean, it, listen, somebody, I guarantee you there has been several conversations about this with producers and, uh, you know, the executives. this just in (laughs) listeners our our producer just interrupted our show and he has some breaking news cheryl do you want to yes i'm i'm looking at it right now so uh so she had said uh to do this piece she had to go through really strict training and it took her a long time six months before she became a vegetarian uh she ate at certain times because of digestion and people were very curious to know how she peed. So after the second day of performance, I realized it will never happen. I take the last pee at 8 in the morning. In the evening when I sleep, this was really difficult to train. I have to take water every 45 minutes and sleep, and 45 minutes and sleep because not to dehydrate during the night, but then during the day I didn't have to pee. And then I had this very strict diet with very light food and only eating in the morning very certain things and in the evening. I didn't engage in social events. I didn't talk to my friends. I don't know what that has to do with bowel movements, but okay. Uh, (laughs) 
Well, because she has to make eye contact to poop. Remember, we were just saying? <laughs> so she probably has a friend over. Um, I mean, listen, it did take a great deal of discipline. Let's, I mean, that's... Oh, I, it's insane. I couldn't even believe it. And I, I also don't even know how somebody knows how to train for this. Like, how do you know, right. oh, I need six months... To get ready for uh, it. Yeah, and then waking up every 45 minutes to drink water. I'd have to... Aren't you on the toilet all... On your toilet chair all night? Right, if you're drinking every yeah. 45, 45 well, minutes. But you know what that reminds me of? Remember when um, Hillary... Uh, Clinton? Mm-mm. Hillary Swank uh -huh. did the movie where she was a boxer and she had to train and she said that if memory serves me, that she would have to set her alarm for every three hours during the night because she would have to get up and and eat eggs. <laughs> I hope so I'm not making so this Marina. Up. But it goes. It's it. You know, it it answers. You know, how does anybody know that you have to do this? But somebody has figured it out, and so maybe Marina figured it out and. And was Hillary, you know, she, you know, those kind of people where you always say their first and last name. Yeah. And then when you say just their first name for the first time, their name doesn't make sense. That just happened to me. Hillary Swank. Yeah. That she's always Hillary Swank to me. And well, then that's just, same with Michelle Pfeiffer, because then when you just call her Michelle, it's like. But Michelle knows. makes sense. But Hillary, yeah. when I isolate the first name, I'm yeah. like. <laughs> That's not Hillary. For some reason, <laughs> Hillary. There's only one Hillary alive uh, anymore, right. and yeah. that is the Clinton, of course. Yes. But that—that's the same with the singer Chrissy Hind, who I love so mm. much. One day yes. that happened for me. I said Chrissy, and then I thought, well, that's interesting. That's her name, Chrissy. Yeah. Anyway, we're. It's we're like no, it's like John Hamm. No, nobody it's not. ever calls him John. Huh? People well, have no. to call him John Hamm. I feel yeah. like John and Michelle are very, um, it's not weird. Hillary is, I, I don't you know. You don't how feel to... like she looks like a Hillary? No. Okay, let's no. let's agree to disagree and move on. Should we get back to the toilet talk? <laughs> I think we I think we have exhausted the toilet talk. I, and it's great that we had an answer. So, yes, there's a way to... And this to... person is way too fascinating in this documentary. I right. thought was way too great for us to to be off into... Right. Does Hillary Swank look like a Hillary? Well, you're the one that went down that avenue, not me. I don't, I don't think we need to fight about this. I'm just okay. saying that I, there's on. so much to talk about. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So much is, more. Yes. Ule. Ule. Yes. She had a great lover. Yes. Ule. Who was also, here's my question. Was okay. he already a performance Yes, it, it, that was met. my understanding. Is okay. he already was, and that she had really met her match because yes. she goes to such great lengths, and she really experiments, and she yes. pushes herself, and yes. and and along comes Ule, who is really Equally yeah. as vivacious. Yes, I mean just to. I liked just, his style. He liked his. He was yeah. yeah. He was. I thought he was... But then, you know, it's hard. Once you see somebody completely naked, like, running around and doing things, it's... Well, sure. When he was running at the camera naked repeatedly. Yeah, like, against the rubber bands. Yes. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's hard to watch because he would run at the camera full speed, like, with rubber bands, and then... Acro around you... his chest to pull him back. Around the chest. And then did you see the... The one take where Marina was standing there, and then some guy came and like, uh, like drop kicked her. I'd miss that. Oh, you should go back and look at that because uh, it was odd. I mean, listen, it's odd. It's odd. There's no way you're gonna watch this and say this is your typical run of the mill <laughs> performance artist documentary. I mean, one of her installations was that she would sit in a room with different objects, mm -hmm. one being a fully loaded gun, mm -hmm. magic markers, knives, I forget what else was on the table, and people could come and do whatever they wanted to with those objects at her. Yeah. Or to her. Yes. But so, I mean, philosophically, what does that mean? Life, you can't control what strangers are going to do to you let's go to commercial <laughs> <laughs> but you but she could control your your that doesn't oh. make sense what you're saying because you could make the choice to not put a gun or a marker out for people but I'm, I'm assuming she had that control right but do you in real life have control over anybody you're around if they have a loaded gun or a knife or a magic marker no. No. So you go through life trusting that the I mean, if somebody has a magic marker, I might have more control. <laughs> I don't feel when somebody picks up a magic marker, I'm not like, well, 
now this is this it. This is completely out of my hands. <laughs> but I mean, uh, I, I guess they're just going to scribble all over my walls and face and I can't do anything about it. Meanwhile, there's a gun lying there. I mean, it's an interesting sort of commentary on people and human nature. Mm-hmm. You know, that she's trusting that complete strangers, given the opportunity, are not going to come up and shoot her in the head. And if they did, that's how she wants was to Was that out. loaded? The gun yes. was loaded? Yes. Yes. So, I mean, performance art, does it have to be uh, dangerous or or difficult? Right. In order to be... Well, no. I mean, yeah, I guess... Noteworthy. Yeah. I mean, difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I, I it mean, seems like it. Because. Or. Well, because if it's just magic markers, who wants to go watch that? I bet plenty of people. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Marina could do anything she wanted and there would be a line out the door. Her, the people well, now, that follow. now. But I, but I mean, it wasn't always like that. And she they, they talk about it in the, in the documentary that she and Ule got together. They didn't have any money and they lived in a, a van. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a cute van. Years. I don't care how cute it is. I'm not living in a van for five years. Nobody's asking you to. <laughs> no, but not once did somebody ever say, Cheryl, will you live in a van with me? This okay, is do you just wanna... me saying that was a cute van. Do you want to hear Ule? Yeah, of course. Okay, let's let's hear Ule. The very first moment we met was when she came to Amsterdam. She was to do a performance. I met her just before and said, wow. The performance was called Thomas Lips. It came down to that she would cut a pentagon in her stomach with a razor plate, and she would whip herself don't look, and Cheryl. Said, no, she's naked. No, maybe not. Afterwards, naked. I start nursing her wounds. I didn't lick her wounds, but I cared for the wounds and cleaned it and, you know, put something on it. And I think that was the crucial point. At the time we met, there was immediately a fascination, type-wise, character-wise, personality-wise, the work we have been doing. Did he say I didn't lick her? I didn't lick them. Didn't lick the wounds. Mm. Yeah. But he took care of he took care of her. Yeah. So they connected. Yeah. It was very sweet. They had this beautiful love affair, and they would do art installations of them being completely naked and then running full speed at each other. And that was hard to watch. I know yeah. you struggled with uh, nakedness, but me, uh, I really struggled when they were. Running towards each other and slamming into each other's body. Yeah, like intentional pain. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of intentional pain that that comes with what she does. But that in particular, I just, I I also, it might be (laughs) that I had spinal fusion a year ago. Mm. And if I still move in a weird way, it hurts. Mm. So there's certain things that are hard for me to to watch joy yeah yeah Yeah. that in particular but I was very into 
when she was sitting silently in at at MoMA. Yeah. And and, and watching just how intense how how much she affected people and how much that blank slate of nothingness people could make it whatever they wanted whatever they were showing up with and whatever right it it was really powerful it was really powerful it was because for me, when I was watching it, and I'm sure everybody has their own interpretation, it felt like people wanted to be seen, and they don't. And this was a moment in their lives when the other person doesn't want anything from them. Mm-hmm. They don't even want an emotion. They don't want approval. They don't want disapproval. They just she would she would put her head down in between each person that sat in the chair, and when. They would sit, she would raise her head and look at them, most of the time kind of expressionless, and the other person uh, would just, they would just look in each other's eyes for anywhere up to 15 minutes. They tried not to put a time limit on it, but by the end of the installation, there were so many people lined up on the sidewalk out, out you know, in front of MoMA that they had to put a time limit, 15 minutes, which, by the way, that's a long long. time to stare into a stranger's eyes. Do you know what part was my, one of my favorite moments? And it, did you cry at all during I did. But I, I, and I, by the way, I did not think I would because I'm like, I'm not, this is not my bag. (laughs) And then, yes, when she was sitting there with people just coming in and. Well, with, with. Ule, oh my God! Um, yeah, that's... that was so emotional when he sat down, all those years later, and then that moment where the little boy had <gasps> sat down, and then he went upstairs, and his mother just broke down in tears, and and yes, and I remember when I was watching the little boy sitting there, I was thinking of one of my sons. Oh, when when they're that old, would they yeah. go sit and and what and and to be honest, if I can see both of them doing it, but um, I, I before I even saw the mother have such an emotional reaction and just break down in tears, when I was watching the little boy, I had that feeling of oh my gosh, if that was my son, I would be so proud and impressed and just I think that it would tell me something about my son that I didn't know before right that he could sit quietly in a chair across from a 60 something year old woman not, not only that but just that that would it appeal would to tell him in that, any... yes yeah. that that he would see that happening yeah and he would say yeah, I want to do that I wanna, too. I want to stand in line all day long. Yes. And then sit across from a woman who's not even going to smile at me. Right. And uh yeah, it was that was that was also the point. Those two points were the same time that got me. And yes, because his mom said because the little boy, he he wasn't crying, but he No. His, he said, "Mom, why are you crying?" And she said, "I'm so proud of you." It was so it was moving. It really was. Watching her do that, 
it feels like what you're saying that people just want to be seen and it feels like a service mm-hmm. that should be offered. Well, it's funny that you say that because when I was watching it, I thought, wow, I would love to do that with all of the people in my life and with some strangers also mm-hmm. involved where you just sit there and you just look at somebody and you just have a bond that mm-hmm. you don't have to talk about. You don't have to say. You just, you know, there are no cell phones, no computers, no nothing like that. And you're just looking at each other for a few minutes and just taking each other in. I've had very healing moments in my marriage with that, where there's just pure silence and just looking at each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's, um, yeah, I just felt like... It all. I mean, I'm sure it, it takes so much energy on, on Marina's part to take on what people bring in those moments of just silently staring. You know, I don't think that it's, <laughs> I don't think that it's nothing. I think. Right. It's. No, it takes. It's. Intense. Yeah. And, and uh, like we talked about, I mean, it takes incredible discipline. Um not just physically but mentally and emotionally and to be present for each person that sits down just knowing that it's so important to them to be seen by her that they waited in line for two days Mm -hmm. to sit there just so one person could look at them and then the one guy that went 21 times and then got a tattoo of it yes of 21 and i remember his face that when they showed him earlier he there was so much to his face. Yes. I thought. Yes. But it, it is, it does point out to the viewer, well, we don't really do that in our lives, usually. Mm-hmm. We, we heard, I don't, like you're saying, I've experienced it a few times, and it's usually around a very solemn experience. It's usually mm-hmm. around a loss of a, another person, and there are no words that are going to help or that are going to change things or that are going to make you feel better. But just somebody's presence makes you feel better. Um, Is there a phone ringing? Oh, yes. (laughs) Sorry, I was calling you. (laughs) That's my husband, even though I texted him and said I'm doing a podcast right before we started. He usually walks into the closet, so I'm surprised he's not just walking in. Um, but anyway, it would be nice in our lives if we had if we had that practice, if you mm. will. Yeah, it feels almost necessary in life because I actually thought about how it couldn't be bad to do with friends, family, right. coworkers and just have a moment and just look at each other. Yeah. Have you ever been to, this is a sidebar, have you ever been to a party where there's a psychic that sets up a little tent or a little room? Yeah. And people are always so, you know, impressed with how 
how much they can know about somebody. But I'm sure if you sat in a room and had people come in one at a time and you just sit with them for just a minute, you take them in, you take in their energy, you take in, you can feel, you can feel if somebody wants to hear something, if they're excited or if they're sad or if they're, you know, they need to hear something. You, I think. Are you discounting psychics? <laughs> Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> I'm just saying, I think it would be such an interesting. It sounds um, like you think it'd be an easy job. <laughs> I'm saying, I think, uh, the psychology of it would be interesting. I went, Yeah, I think I could nail it. That's what I'm I, trying to say. I went to a psychic. Yeah. That is a a famous TV psychic. Like I filmed an episode. Oh, can you can you say or no? I don't want to say. But I'll tell you this much. The episode never aired. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I went there with so much openness. Really? Of, I did. I went there thinking, you know what? I'm, this isn't really my thing, but I'm curious to show up and just say yes to the moment and to yeah. the situation and yeah. see what she says. Yeah. And it was so far off. Every time she said something <laughs> that I'm certain they were just like, and I was not being difficult. I wasn't making jokes. I wasn't, I went in there with the intent to cry if it called for it. No, I believe that about you. I don't believe that you would go onto somebody's show no. just to like halfway through go, ha. No. You did. You're a, you don't no. know what you're doing. No, I, no. I flew out there. I, 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 it was a whole ordeal. That was maybe four years ago. And I've asked my manager, um, and I, I have to imagine they just said, we, we cannot, there's nothing here to work with. <laughs> and it made me wonder how many other people that might have happened to. Well, you know, oh, if, if that were... show up and then they they get nothing back. You mean? Yeah, that it's so off base. It, it's, oh, there's I would nothing. Imagine... No, it's listen. I don't want to. I was going to say something that might be hurtful to the psychic community, but which is our demographic. But go <laughs> ahead. When I when I worked at Universal Studios. Congrats, by the way. We had this little boardwalk area, and one day the guy who usually guesses people's either wait a wait. minute, hold on. <laughs> Did you work at Universal Studios because you thought that was a sure shoe in board? Yeah, by the way, working he, in yes, and it worked. TV and film, yes, and then ultimately a podcast. <laughs> yes, but anyway. One day, the guy who guesses people's weight mm -hmm. or birth date. Okay. Or Which age. Which sometimes is the same thing. Or, <laughs> okay. Uh, or age. Uh -huh. He didn't show up and they said, I don't know why they would pick me, but they were like, Cheryl, will you go out there and, and guess people's weight? <laughs> and I'm like, 
How do I know? <laughs> how am I supposed to know how much people well, weigh? We seem to know what Michelle Pfeiffer's weight is. <laughs> it. She's a slight, slight woman. Okay. But they said, look, don't worry about it. Like, sometimes you're going to be right, and that'll be great. And a lot of times you're going to be wrong, and they still get to walk away with a little uh, knickknack. <laughs> I'm just saying, with psychics, I think it's probably be hard for them and to... And wait, I'm sorry, was Larry David at one of these weight-guessing routines that you did? Oh, because it, because it showed up on our show. Um, no, no, I'm just wondering, is that how you got discovered by Hollywood? Was Larry there? <laughs> what do I weigh? <laughs> Um, No, no. Larry did not see me guessing weight on the boardwalk. I wish that was my story. I really (laughs) wish I could say yes and we could end the podcast right this second and everybody goes home happy. Yeah. But that's not how I, you know what, that's another day. Okay. Uh, But the point is, is sometimes it's going to be accurate about somebody and sometimes it's not. Okay. Okay, listen, I think we should listen to um, Marina describing the artist's presence, just so you can hear from her voice what exactly the installation was. I actually imagine more like a kind of film set. There is a huge square of light. In the middle of that square is placed the table and two chairs. It's so simple. It's like nothing there. It's just... Art is sitting like a mountain, you know, I want to be just like a rock there. Only three months. And uh, looking you in the eyes, we're talking three months, every single day. If you are performing three months, it's really performance become life itself. People don't understand that the hardest thing is to actually do something which is close to nothing. It's demanding all of you because there is no story anymore to tell. There's no objects to hide behind. There's nothing. There's just your pure presence. You have to rely on your own energy and nothing else. Yeah, I wonder what's going on in her head. I know. For all of that time. Oh, me too. I'm just, I was just wondering, like, are there, I mean, it seems impossible to be every moment of every day, just like, I cannot wait to open my eyes and see the next person. Yeah. I mean, instead of looking at your day as a whole, actually waiting with anticipation for the next person would have to be what gets you through. Because if you think of the entire day as a whole, but also this is the This is coming from two people that are not performance artists, no matter how much people accuse me of being one, uh, which I'm realizing is very offensive to my comedy. I would not be offended by that, especially after watching this. I think, you know, the idea that you you will put yourself out there in a very uh, in a very personal and physical way to connect with people. I think that's what they're talking about. Well, Thank you for putting a positive spin no, on No, it is positive. But that's how I would have to think of it, is I'd have to not think of it start to finish mm. the the whole... I, I feel like that's kind of how I approach life anyway, is I feel like I'm really good in a... Um, what am I trying to say? Pickle? Yeah. <laughs> You're good in a pickle? 
I, I am. I'm good in a pickle. I feel like if there is uh, an emergency situation or things are going awry, I can buckle down and I can make a plan. Yeah. And I don't look at, I'll glance at the big picture, mm. but then I get down to what is right in front of me. Yeah. And I feel like that's what this kind of is all about. For me, this is what I think about. When I'm watching it, I'm thinking, okay, the way to get through a long day like this for three months, first of all, my back would be killing me. I couldn't do this. And nor would I urinate in my toilet chair. But I would truly take it in that segment and segment and segment yeah, and you, segment. So it wouldn't feel overwhelming. Right. Otherwise, it just feels so overwhelming. But I think that's but I that that's a good quality to have, and I think it's a good, you know, it's a good quality to get through uh, difficult situations in life. Mm -hmm. It's like going through a divorce or something. Yeah. If you look at it and you're like, oh my god, I'm never going to get through this. This is awful. But if you say, okay, I'm going to get through today. Yeah. I'm going to do all the things that I need to do to get through today, and then I'm going to get through tomorrow, and then after that, I can't. I no promises. But you know, if you can. Um, just start to to figure out how to get through that moment and not mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm never going to get through it all. I mean, three months. I mean, that's why what she's doing is so incredible is yeah. that you can read and read into and see so much into and be inspired by so much and be able to apply so much and get so much. And mm -hmm. it's just that what they were saying before is there being so much to nothingness and to simplicity and that blank slate it just allows for for everything and all things a shared experience mhm mm yes yes they were having a shared experience um should we talk about ule and um you know they were married they did all of this great performance art together and then he cheated yes he did, Tig. Mm -hmm. He did. And their final performance art piece was both of them starting on different sides of the Great Wall of China. And then for how long did they walk? Was that for three months also? Three months. They walked for three she months. She loves three months, huh? I know. I can't do anything for three months. That's a long... I could do it for three weeks, but that's a long... You so could are, walk the wall of China for three weeks? If I had to. If when I had are you going to gonna have to? Uh, I'm married to Bobby. Oh, that's true. I mean, I've had to do some I could get a text next week that you're walking <laughs> you the wall of China. <laughs> yes. I have scaled mountains in Bhutan. I mean, See, uh, listen. I married to Stephanie. I will never be walking the wall of china for three weeks or three months and that's not to say she's not exciting she's very right. exciting and interesting she's just a very different she's very different from bobby yeah you don't have to you don't have you can see the world without walking you know, the great walking wall of the china. yes like scuba diving in trinidad and like a motorboat with a guy that just filled up your oxygen tank at, at his house right okay um but yes, they walk towards each other for three months. For three months. Oh, we have a description of it. Should we listen to the description of the Great Wall? Mm-hmm. The Lovers. The Lovers, in which Marino and Ulai walked the Great Wall of China, was an epic. 
the three months process of walking towards each other. Very simple, really pared down and extraordinary in its clarity. This was the last of their relation works. And of course, the way the Great Wall walk ended was with their splitting up. Mm. That was tough to find mm -hmm. out. That they had split? They walked for three months, and then they split up. Then what is life? And they walked knowing that they were going to split up. Did they? She I knew. I believe. Did they both know? Yeah, that that was the big send-off. You know what? This isn't working out. Let's walk the Great Wall of China for three months. I mean, if That's Stephanie... <laughs> if Stephanie said, hey... Listen. I not I've working met, out. I've met someone else. Let's walk for three months towards each other on the Great Wall of oh, China. China. I would say um, no thank you. No thanks. And no thanks. Um, you run off with your person that is greater than I. And um, let's call it, let's just call it a day. Let's yeah. call it quit. Shake hands and walk now. Walk yeah. away. I'm going to go home and burn your pictures. <laughs> you go walk the Great Wall of China. The usual. Oh, you know what was interesting too is... Um, well, he was, oh, so what we were saying about Ule, U Ula, Ule, Uli, I'm sure. Ule! I'm, <laughs> I'm sure I'm not saying his name correctly. We haven't said anyone's name correctly. <laughs> no. um, but they had this great love affair. They, you know, and then they, they ended up breaking up. And then in the documentary, they see each other for the first time in a long time. And then. I thought they were going to get back together. I He seemed to want to. But she seemed I to thought be like, she seemed no I thought she seemed into it no I can't ah. read people <laughs> but then like you're saying the there is a moment in the um in the documentary when she was doing the artist is present the installation and she it's hard to know how many people she had already seen where mm -hmm. she, she's sitting there in that chair for days on end hours on end she puts her head down somebody new sits down and she looks up and she looked up and it was him yes boohoo i uh, and they, i had a boohoo oh my god they connected <laughs> in a way that was just so sweet and you felt like oh yeah because they know each other in a way that nobody else knows them and then it made you think about your own relationships and how people know you in a way that nobody else knows you yes that unspoken mm um just how a lifetime or an entire relationship yes. can be spoken through yes just that intense glance and hand holding or oh my god it was that i mean that it, this documentary is is worth watching for that moment and the little boy's mother crying and the little boy oh and then but i have to say it it also it inspired me as a performer in what way just the risk taking mm -hmm. i'm i'm all for it and i i think that there have been times when i've wanted to do things with my comedy 
or make jokes or deliver things in a certain way when I've been told by friends or other comedians or people I've dated or my reps that, oh, maybe not, or that's maybe too, um, you know, could... Right, put just, people off or yeah, not. Or it, they're not going to get it or it's not going to land. Yeah, or you could land. be shunned in the community. Mm. or And just to kind of, it, it connects me to that part of myself where I haven't backed down and I've seen a really great payoff every mm-hmm. time I've listened to myself. Mm-hmm. And um, and it also, watching this movie, I I don't really believe that you have to be in pain to be happy. Yeah. But, but I do think that there is something that you can't deny that hard work or really, really hard moments in life make things just the perspective and Mm -hmm. once they are easy again and once there is a clearer path it you can't help but be thankful for that insane or difficult or painful time even if it's brought upon by yourself I mean right she this is self-inflicted right but that's where uh, people gain wisdom yeah you know at from a painful experience and living through it and understanding it, that's when you become wiser. Mm-hmm. And um, she's clearly lived through a lot. I mean, yeah. especially the the description of receiving very little love in her childhood and mm-hmm. was very strictly disciplined and always on a schedule. And, and she that part of her life is clearly painful, but it's also something that she's applied to her adult life and career that has made her a success. And she learned how to, you know, connect with people. Right. Right. I think that's right. And I think that because, because she had so much pain in her life and you could see it when people sit down across from her you can just tell that some people, and she talks about it too, just have so much pain mm-hmm. and they sit across from her and they and they connect with her. And, you know, I'm sure if they could speak in that moment, they would talk about a very painful experience. Well, and that's the thing is every person alive has had so much pain. Yes, that is and- true. And it's really interesting to see what people, what they do or don't do with that pain. That's, yes. And she took a very specific path. And it's, it really connects you to and reminds you of the importance of remaining true to your ideas and intentions and who you are as an individual. Yeah. And how that is your biggest... Um, strength it's your it it really is and she is such an example of that she really blazed her own individual path yeah and um it's uh, yeah i i really really got a lot out of this did you love it from beginning to end well i mean like i said the beginning i almost shut it off i i uh i just i couldn't gather what 
where where it was going. I was watching and or was like, what oh, to boy. care about or right. I was just like, okay, what? Uh, it didn't it, grab me right away, but yeah. I would say in ten minutes it did. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and then I was I was in, in, in. Yeah, you know what? I'm just looking at a note that I made myself. Um, that she said, pick going, up milk. <laughs> pick up milk. Uh, yes, bread. <laughs> bread and going through pain is like keeping a secret oh yeah yeah. that's what she's that's what she said and it's true because usually when you're going through something painful nobody else is going through it at the exact same time in the exact same way Mm -hmm. so it is just like she was saying sitting there for three months Mm -hmm. was painful uh, but you know who's she gonna tell because what (laughs) there's nothing you can do about it and it's your own pain and you have to get through it Right, um, but it it was very it was oh should we listen to what Fox News had to say? Mm-hmm. Okay, this was this was interesting because because here's this woman who's spent her entire life giving to the art community and uh, really had a lot to say, and now she's finally in this moment where people are appreciating and understanding, and connecting to what she's been doing and what she's doing at MoMA. And um, on Fox News, this is this is they get it. <laughs> they get it. <laughs> You've been a very bad girl. A very well, that was Beyonce in a new video with Lady Gaga, and Sandy Rios does Gaga. not like Lady Gaga's latest video. This should be outlawed. It should be banned. Outlawed. I, personally, there is a limit to what we should tolerate. You know, I find it interesting because you've got this Lady Gaga video out now. And, and literally, uh, in, in today's New York Post, there's an article about this exhibit at the, the Metropolitan Museum of Art where daring patrons squeeze through two live new performers, alternating couples opposite and same sex who stand in a narrow doorway of the new exhibit, uh, which is by some Yugoslavian-born provocateur. As you listen to the sound of this woman's constant guttural screaming and moaning, that, they say, is art, and it's at MoMA. (laughs) (laughs) And it's at MoMA. MoMA. She is shocked. Yeah. Is that Megyn Kelly? It is. She was shocked. That was appalling. They couldn't believe that you would have to squeeze by naked people. I mean, oh my well, God. Sh- Cheryl, you can't act like you weren't appalled by naked people at the beginning of the podcast. It wasn't that I was appalled. You were appalled. You were sickened. I was uncomfortable, I said. I'm uncomfortable. Okay. But, but would I do it? Would I happily? You'd of squeeze course. through naked people? Yes, of course I would. I sat across from a man who rubbed Vaseline on his penis during a performance Cheryl, in West Hollywood. don't say that. Penis or Vaseline? Any of it. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate the arts and I, I appreciate uh, what people have to say. So, yes, and I, I mean, listen, can I t- say something gross? Please. That's why we started a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we needed a place I have a friend who is very... Our podcast is like the cookie jar <laughs> that you put a dollar in for saying bad words. Well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to end this whole thing on something gross, but... That sounds like you do. <laughs> we can cut this out if we decide to, but I have a friend who is very into performance art, and she told me that she went to an installation... Uh-huh. 
of couples who one person would poop on the other one. And she said, and I said, that... Sounds uh, like that made you sad. Well, it did. And I I was like, that is... You know, I was, I was like running through my brain thinking, is there any, any, any way where I could appreciate that? And I thought, no, there's not. And then she said, I said, why, what was the point of it? And she said, she said, honestly, when you're there, you understand that, that these two have a trust and that they are trusting each other and that they're in it together. And there, it was very beautiful. Is there no other way to prove trust mm-hmm. in a friendship? <laughs> also, I think this makes my two sons performance artists um, <laughs> from their first year alive. I didn't realize. You could have charged admission. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, but anyway, uh, I mean, I guess I have my limits. I think at this point in my life, I probably, I wouldn't drive across town to see it. Uh-huh. I probably wouldn't go see it. You wouldn't go see her? Then Wait, the, the poop? Oh, yeah. oh no, no, no. I for sure would not. Even if I was outside and I looked up at the marquee and it said um, poop show <laughs> and somebody gave me a free ticket, I wouldn't go in. But what if somebody said this is actually something that you will never experience again in your life and it's a beautiful trust exercise? Um, <laughs> I, you know? What? What well, I would say, great, go, go, go enjoy the poop show. Um, I have dinner plans, and I can also learn about trust in some other way. Yeah. yeah. If somebody, if I was standing outside a theater and the marquee said poop show. Well, and it's not going to say poop show. Whatever it says, and somebody's handing me a trust, free ticket. A trust show. And they say, this will, this is about trust. And yeah. I, they would seem insane to me if they were if they were talking to me about trust and trying to lure me into the poop show (laughs) i just i would call the police to be honest Well, see listening to me i know we're supposed to defund the police but i feel like this i i yeah i would i would i would call the author i would call some authorities in this moment well would you have a problem squeezing by two naked people that were standing there do i have a problem yeah would you have a problem no i that feels like oh that'd be an interesting thing i likely won't have an opportunity to do again and it also to be honest reminds me of a bit that i do at parties Mm. and i I when stephanie and i were (coughs) watching i said oh my gosh i do that at parties and we had a little giggle (laughs) but um when people when strangers are talking and they're really close. Mm-hmm. I'll walk through them and say, "Excuse me," <laughs> and it brings me so much joy because they always. Even though there's lots of space on. There's so much either space, side. and they always back up and look at me with just the dirtiest look, <laughs> because I seem perfectly insane. Yes, and um, you get joy out of it. Oh, I love it so so much, and I never indicate that it's a joke or no anything i just uh squeeze through and say oh excuse me excuse me (laughs) oh and then sometimes i forgot this element sometimes i squeeze through saying oh excuse me excuse me and then i stop 
in between them and I keep just standing there going, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> you must be so much fun at a party. It's 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 performance art. It's performance art. Now, I have some very sad news. Oh, gosh. Okay. In 2015, Ule sued Maria for unpaid royalties on works. and But they later reconciled. But Ule died in March this year. I'm sorry. I am sorry to hear that. Yeah. And just as a final um, yes. little note about this, in... Her piece, mm -hmm. the artist is present. Marina sat across from 1,545 sitters for a total of 736 hours and 30 minutes. That is crazy. Mm -hmm. And I would also like to see what that came out to in the toilet chair. Was there nothing? We, we agree. Aside from poop, there was no urine? I don't think so. She said day two, she realized she didn't, she was never going to okay. need right. to pee. And not a drop of uh, waste. Well, not that we've heard about. Okay. And by the way, I trust that Marina would be very open about telling us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm she, sure she's pooped on so many people to prove her trust. To. I'm, <laughs> I feel like she would be totally fine with it. And that's, you know, part of her charm. Yeah. Cheryl. Yes. Tick. Do you have anything you want to promote? Oh. I have another podcast called Don't Ask Tig, where I give advice. But what What do you, it sounds like you have something exciting. Uh, I am on a, sh a show. Yeah. Called uh, I Can See Your Voice on Fox that Ken Jung hosts. And it is a lot like the title. I love Ken. He's so fun. Oh. It's a really fun show. I mean, it's it's fantastic and ridiculous. Love it. And, you know, it's you watch people sing, and we have a good time, and we make a lot of Money. nonsensical jokes. Nonsensical jokes. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, you yeah. people listening, you should follow us at Tig and Cheryl True Story on social media and tell us what documentaries we should cover. All right. And yes. uh, subscribe, leave some comments, tell your friends and listen to more episodes. And um, I don't know. Should we, you want to we, I, I feel like we should do this again. OK, I'd let's do I'd it love, again. Yeah, I'd let's love do to. it again. OK. Tig and Cheryl True Story is hosted by me, Tig Notaro and Cheryl Hines. It's produced by Gabby Kovacic and Thomas Willette, audio engineered and edited by Thomas Willette, with music by David Susson. Special thanks to Patrick McDonald and Stephanie Allen. Follow us on social media for updates and review and rate True Story on Apple Podcasts. We really, really appreciate it. You can email us at tigandcherylTrueStory at gmail.com. On next week's episode, we'll be talking about The Staircase, one of my favorites. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>